Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Man, it's so exciting to be with you guys. How many of y'all excited to be in church? Come on, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. Man, what a great place to be. I, I do want to say it. it's an honor uh, to be back with you guys here at Milestone Church. Uh, as Pastor Steve Chestnut said, uh, I've been friends with pa- your pastor a long time, uh, 19 years. Actually, my wife Jennifer and I uh, met he and Brandy. Uh, on the back of a bus, we were going to a minister's conference and, and we just struck up a great friendship and relationship. Uh, so, and we so love and appreciate him. Let me just say this, I do wanna qualify. I'm five years older than Pastor Jeff. I look five years younger. Come on, now, that, I know Caleb's here. Come on, Caleb. I mean, this, I'm just, no, I, I, we, you know, Pastor Jeff and I, really my closest friend, we talk two, three times uh, on the phone a week and Yes, I'm his pastor. The truth is, he is a brilliant leader. He helps me as much as I help him. And so grateful to journey with him. Matter of fact, the whole staff and the whole team here. Come on, can we give it up for Pastor Jeff, Brandy, the whole team, man. What a great job they do. You guys are blessed and led well. Led, led well. And by the way, you may not know this. How would you? Uh, but you guys are an influence to churches all over America. Uh, I go to pa- leadership gatherings where your pastor is, and he's speaking. And, and man, I want to get down there and see Miles. What, what, what God is doing, uh, not just with large buildings, but also building big people, spiritually speaking. And so you guys are in a great, great house. I want to talk to you today on a subject on how do we step into our future with confidence. The issue is not whether or not we have a future. The fact is, unless we die, all of us are going to walk into our tomorrow. The question is, what is our posture? What is our positioning? In other words, are we going to walk into our future with a sense of trepidation and, uh, uh, and insecurity where, where we wake up like, oh my, it's another day? Or is it, is it God has got something for me today and I am excited to step into it? The issue is posturing. The issue is... Is there an element of confidence in your heart? Now, the, 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 the Christian life is, is, is not a life where we're absent of conflict. It's not a life where we don't deal with situations and obstacles. Matter of fact, what I found is, is that as we step into the plan that God has for our life, as we begin to fulfill the will that God has for our life, there is always obstacles. So don't please, don't misunderstand me to suggest, I've heard preachers actually say this before, how do you know if you're in the will of God when everything is going right? That is so unbiblical. How do you tell Apostle Paul that when he's hanging on a piece of driftwood in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, that he's out of the will of God? No, you can be in the will of God and still deal with things, but you're moving forward. You're fulfilling God's will. You're fulfilling God's plan and God's purpose for your life. And you can have a spirit of faith and an attitude of confidence. I I, I tell you, it's just one of the things I began to think about all of the political realities, economic realities, all the challenges in our culture, all all the things where, look, all of us could wake up every day and be overwhelmed by life. We can be overwhelmed by all the changing things that are happening around us. How do we wake up with confidence? How do we step into our future with a sense of confidence? I think one of the greatest stories in the Bible that really details and depicts what I'm talking about. It's found in the Old Testament. We'll turn there in just a moment, but it's the children of Israel 
as they're right at the Jordan River getting ready to cross into their promised land. Interestingly enough, the Bible talks about the children of Israel. They lived 400 years in slavery under Pharaoh and the taskmaster himself where, 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 where they whipped and they beat the Hebrew people and God rose up. He, he raised up a, 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 a deliverer named Moses. You've read about it in Exodus or you've seen the movie. Don't look like you don't watch movies. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And God raised up a deliverer. And the deliverer, matter of fact, I have a map. I want to pull it up now if I can. They were in Egypt right here. God raised up in the very first body of water that, that, well, Pharaoh released the children of Israel after 10 plagues. And finally, they came to this first body of water and it's called the Red, everybody say it, Sea, the Red Sea. Now, interestingly enough, it's only supposed to be an 11-day journey from Etham to the Promised Land. 11 days. It took him 40 years. Listen, I, I don't know about you, but I'm sure you're the same as me. I, I don't want to have to go around the mountain. I want to see it, and I want to step into what God has for my life. I want to see what God has. I want to know God's plan. By the way, it's called the promised land. The promised, think about it. The promised land. It's a land that God promised them, but it's also a land of promises. And the Bible says that they, they went in the wilderness. This is actually the wilderness of Shur. It was called in Bible times. It's the Sinai Peninsula. It's actually a peninsula in essence. And they wandered around. They wandered around. They finally came, and they came up through, and that's Moab is in Bible times. That's modern day Jordan. That's where that would be the name. And they come all the way up on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And there, in just a moment, we'll pick up where God calls Joshua. Moses gave the baton to Joshua, and Joshua was called by God to lead the children of Israel into their future. The question is not whether or not we have a future. The question is, do we face our future with confidence? It's interesting. We, we have... Um, Four seasons that we all deal with, right? Four seasons. We are, we are in fall officially, although it doesn't feel like it. Isn't that right? It's like, when's it coming? And then we also have winter followed by spring and summer. In South Louisiana, we have a fifth season. It's called hurricane season. I think there's another one coming, they said this weekend. And so, you, you know, you know and, 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 and here you guys are getting our sweat, you know, you get your sweaters ready. I lived in Dallas for two years, and, and I remember you, in this area, you get your sweaters ready, you get everything ready, because there's, there's something coming. Well, for our fifth season, hurricane season, we get things ready too, right? Do we have flashlights? Do we have, you know, water? Do we have MRE packets? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking I mean, we want to make sure we got it all in place, and we had, as a church, in 2005, our church was right at six years old, and we, were, we had just come through a capital campaign. We're actually in year two. It was a three-year campaign, and it was called, here's it, it's called Imagine a Place. I mean, we had video fly-throughs, Pastor Steve. I mean, this is 13 years ago. I mean, this is rudimentary stuff. But, I mean, it was like high-tech fly-throughs where you could still see the imagery where it wasn't fluid. It was kind of like a little... And, but, but, but it was a beautiful... It was a beautiful picture of the future. By the way, every time you look at the promised land, every time you look at the opportunities and the possibilities that God has for your life, it is a beautiful picture of the future. But right in the middle of that, there's always challenges. 
As we're in year two of our capital campaign called Imagine a Place with the pictures and the whole deal, we experienced Hurricane Katrina. Of course, a third of our, actually two thirds of our church went from 3,200 people to 1,300 people in one month. People come here, they're in Houston, Atlanta, pastor, we're going over there. I'm like, what about the dream, man? What about the vision that God had for the church? I understood they had to go for work, but I was the one that was stuck. I was like, my gosh, I, I'm here and come on, we've got a, a dream. And I'll never forget this, three days after the storm, I had a major body of Christ leader, a great man of God. Some of you would know his name if I mentioned. He called me, here's what he said, here's what he said. He said, Steve, you're 36 years old. Man, bro, this is, tr this is like devastation. Here's what I think you should do. I think you should just, you know, help everybody for the next six months and then just pick up. Man, you, you need to move to another city. Why? And here's the reason why. He says, because there's no guarantee that this won't ever happen again. I got to tell you, you talk about fear, insecurity, the picture of what God has for us. I knew that God had given that to us. And, and it was our quote in a mini sense. It was our promised land. It was, it was what God had for us, for our future. And now I'm dealt with the challenge. What do you do? What do you do when you have challenges that are right smack dab in the middle of your future? And you see it. So it's possibilities and problems. It's, it's God's creative nature where he gives you a picture of the future, but yet there's, there's obstacles. How, how do you navigate? How do you grapple with that? And yet that's the story of the children of Israel. When they came right up to the promised land, they were so excited. It had been such a journey, and yet Joshua's leading them now. They come right up to the Jordan River, and they see the promised land, and it's filled with opportunity but it's filled with obstacles. What do you do and how do you step into your future with confidence, regardless of your circumstances? By the way, I had a guy tell me one time, man, you know what? The way that I discern the will of God in my life is I discern it based upon the opportunity with positive, favorable circumstances surrounding it. In other words, if things look good, it must be God. But if there's challenges, then I start interpreting, you know, maybe God is closing a door and opening a door. Now, let me just tell you this. By the way, God uses circumstances, but that's the lowest level of how God leads people. God leads through his word, through the inner witness of the spirit, dreams and visions, godly counsel. He'll use circumstances because the children of Israel in Joshua chapter 3, this is amazing. God brought them right up to the Jordan River and, and, and they see the promised land. And guess what? It was flood stage. God asked them to cross the Jordan River. Now I wouldn't think, look, you can cross. I, I've been to the Jordan. I've been baptized in the Jordan River. I'm telling you. You can, you can almost, I mean, you can get across it, maybe not jump it, but, but it's not that, but at flood stage, it's, it's, it, 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 it's expansive. Here it is. God didn't wait till the river was a trickle. He waited till it was a flood. God often asks us to do things in the most inopportune moments. Joshua chapter 3, let's pick it up. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. The Bible says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and they came to the Jordan. And he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was, after three days, that the officers went through the camp. 
And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Verse four, yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. Now watch this. Very important. For you have not passed this way before. That's gonna become very important in a moment. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. Set yourselves apart. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Interestingly enough, two bodies of water that the children of Israel faced. Number one, when they were fleeing from Egypt, when they were escaping from Egypt, they came to the Red Sea. Often when we, when, when we are fleeing from the world, we are fleeing from our past sin habits. We, we, we flee from that, but we don't flee into our destiny. We actually invade our destiny. We, we step into God's plan. So we flee the world, but we step in. The children of Israel came to a second body of water, not the Red Sea, but the Jordan River. Here, they're not fleeing, but they're invading. Here, it's a posture of faith. There, it's like, man, I'm getting out of it. And by the way, some of you maybe grew up in church. I didn't grow up in church. I was not a Christian until I turned 19 years old. So some of you got, uh, grew up, you're saved, when you, you know, in your mother's womb. John the Baptist, okay, maybe that's not scriptural. That was the only guy, but it, when you're very young. But man, I was radical in sin. And I'm gonna tell you, when I got saved, I needed to flee. Everybody say flee. By the way, flee playgrounds I went to, people I hung with, and play toys. Playmates, play toys, playgrounds. You need to get a, there's a change of geography and often a change of relationship when you really give your heart to Christ. I was fleeing from the world, but... But as I walk with Christ, and as I came to the place that God was beginning to unveil and unlock for me what his plan was, I wasn't fleeing, I was invading. And when we see what God's assignment is, when we see God's gifts and talents and abilities and his call upon our life to do whatever it is, a new assignment, a new season, a new opportunity, we actually step into that with a posture of faith. The children of Israel, listen, they were, they were dealing with all of this internal trepidation on the inside, and yet God was telling Joshua, tell the children of Israel to position themselves, I'm about to do something great in them, through them, and for them. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you guys four things, four things, because all of us are facing opportunities and challenge. How do we practically step into our tomorrows with confidence. I want to talk to you about four lessons of entering your tomorrow. Number one, the first lesson that I see here in this story is that God wants us to learn to step out of our comfort zones. God wants us to learn if we're really going to step into what God has for our lives, we've got to be willing to step out of our comfort zones. Look what the Bible says in Joshua chapter 3 verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cupids by measure, do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. Comma, watch this. <clears throat> For you have not passed this way before. There's something about when God asks us to do something we've never done before. There's something about the emotional insecurity 
that we feel when we have previous to that felt emotionally secure based upon a previous position in life. A previous place in life, a previous role that we had, a previous responsibility, a previous identity that we had based upon something that we did, albeit good or bad. Some of you guys, God, you've been working at a business and you know that God has put that entrepreneurial thing on the inside of you. And you know that God is challenging you to step out, to step up and to step out. And yet, there's this equivocation. There's this sense of, oh gosh, I'm not sure. And I'm not, but listen, we're never fully sure in ourselves, but we can be confident in God. And you know that God has called. And there's a dream that God put in your heart. And, and the problem with that dream is, it's not the dream. It's what you have to leave in order to pursue that dream. It's what you've got to step out of in order to step into. And there's that challenge, that tension. And, and, and God told Joshua, listen, hey, tell, tell, tell the people what I'm about to bring you into. Well, it's the, the reality is 12 people had only seen the promised land years before Moses sent a little scout team out. And then prior to this, chapter 2, they sent two people in. And Rahab in chapter 2 it says there's only been a total of 14 Hebrew people that ever saw the promised land before this million people showed up. The challenge for each one of us is Oftentimes, before we step in, we've got we've to let go. We've got to let go of some of the dysfunction we've had in the past that has now become our identity. The fact is, the children of Israel had been in the wilderness so long, they, they, their mentality actually was shaped. This is who we are. To the point that at times they even wanted to go back. Isn't that amazing work? Somebody can actually want to go back into an unhealthy environment, unhealthy relationship, unhealthy addictive patterns, and you know that God's got something better for your life. We all do that. We all. It's, by the way, there is a term. It's called the tyranny of the familiar. You ever heard that before? You know, the, a tyrant in world history, you know, you're a tyrant, a dictator, a, a tyrannical person. It's an oppressor. But let me tell you, oppressing doesn't just come from a person but it also comes from being acclimated to something that's familiar. And when you have to step out and step into something that's unknown, I'm telling you, there's, there's, a, there's this human proclivity and propensity on the inside where, where, where we're safe here. We're safe here. I had, a guy, I had a guy tell me, you know, he came up and he had been dating this girl for such a long time. And it was like years and years, as long as I'd been their pastor. And, and I thought he was getting ready to say, you know, pastor, we're getting engaged. It's going to happen. He goes, pastor, we're getting engaged. It's going to be about two years. I'm like, bro, what's up? This has been like, this is like the book of Ephesians, you know, 320, exceedingly abundantly above and beyond forever and ever. And amen. Like, let's get it happening. <laughs> Ladies, y'all told me to say that. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, the rapture, I don't know if you believe it or not, but it's going to happen before you get married unless you say, I do quick. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Here's what he said. Pastor, I've just been scared. Because if you didn't know in the home that I grew up in, I just vowed to myself that I didn't want to experience a marriage like my parents had. And so what's the point? Even something that's unhealthy, even something that's a picture of dysfunction, if it's familiar, it can cause you to undermine your faith stepping forward in confidence. Some of you guys that have dealt with addictions, some of you that have dealt with different things, let me talk about alcohol addiction. I understand people can drink in moderation if that's according to your conscience. 
But in my family, everybody's an alcoholic. Everybody's an alcoholic. I grew up going to Alateen, Alan. I mean, just everybody. My dad was an alcoholic. My step, everybody, everybody's an alcoholic. I, my dad's from England. They've been drunk for a thousand years. I'm serious. Everybody's drunk over there, by the way. I live in New Orleans. Sober doesn't even in the dictionary there. I mean, it's just a bourbon street. Come on. IQ above 100, you got it? Okay, here it is. I, I, and guess what? At 19 years old, guess where I was going? I'm drinking my soul. I'm drinking. And let me tell you something. And I got, gave my heart to Christ and the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was so clear. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm, I don't have to become like they were. I can step into a new reality, a new future. I don't have to carry out the addictions of the past. I can step into a positive present moment with God where it's a new thing. It's a new thing. It's a new thing. Now, now, again, I want to qualify. I know you can drink in moderation if it's according to your conscience. Me, I'm drinking. I'm in Mexico doing unhealthy things. What is it that God's telling you to step out of so that you can step into? What is God calling you up to? Number one, if you want to become what God's called you to be, if you want to step into what God has for your life, you need to, like I need to, learn to get out of our comfort zone. My, 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 I have four children, a daughter, two sons, and a little daughter. My oldest daughter, years ago, I brought her to a camp called J.H. Ranch in California. It was the first time I'd brought, I've since spring brought my other two children, so I brought the three oldest ones, and I have an adopted daughter from China. 22, 19, 18, and 8. And it's interesting, uh, we, we went, so it's dads and daughters, or dads and sons, moms and daughters, moms and sons. It's a parent-teen thing. And so I remember going to this thing, and it was, it was real fun, and, 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 and it was funny, and I say this respectfully, I'm a man, but it was all these dads. I went on the dad-daughter deal. So the dads, you know, they want to impress their daughters. There's a lot of physical things we had to do, a lot of physical things. So, so we came up to this one thing, and they had these, all these courses and stuff. And so we would do spiritual stuff, and then we would do, like, these course things together, build, you know, teamwork and connecting. It was really cool. So we get up to this thing. And, and I want to just say this. This is, an admit, this is a moment of, of, of transparency. I've, I've been delivered from a lot of things. One of the things I've not been delivered from, but I'm getting better, is the fear of heights. So we came up to this thing, and it's called the high ropes. I wonder what that is. It's high ropes. <laughs> the ropes that are real high. And I'll never forget, we walked into that, and the first guy, uh, the, the first guy's like, man, I'll get it. He's impressed. Come on, honey, we got it. You know, the dad puts his hat on, you know, I think he had wristbands. And so he was just, you know, and, you know his workout outfit on, you know, so we're going to do this thing. You know? And so here's what they tell you. Here's what they tell you. They say to you, they say, listen, you're going to go up. You're going to be on these ropes. They're about 40 feet up in the air. Now, here's the good news. People fall, but if you fall, there'll be a rope tied to you that you'll dangle, but we'll get you back up. How many of you want to go? I mean, I was like, yes, they get us back up. I'm like, I'm dangling? Okay, so I'm six feet, I'll be at 34 feet? I mean, come on now. All the dads get their stuff, they're all ready to go. You know, I'm the last one. My, my daughter's like, come on, come on, you're embarrassing me. I'm like, I'm scared. She goes, Dad, don't do this to me. I'm like, why not? I mean, I'm just being honest, you know? I'm like, ropes, high fear. She goes, you have to come. 
So I go there, I put my helmet on, I'm strapped in, I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I'm just looking all over the place and I didn't fall and I made it to the end alive. Two years later, I go back, my son goes, man, I'm excited about the high ropes. I'm like, I'm not, but I'm okay. I go back a year later, I'm like, Will, wait till you go on the high ropes, they're pretty cool. What's the difference? Anytime you step into something that you've never done before, all of the fears of the past come to the present. God told the children of Israel, you've not passed this way before, but it's a good land. Everybody say, a good land. Number two, if we want to enter into our tomorrows, we've got to understand that God wants us to prepare ourselves. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. What does it mean to sanctify? To set yourself apart. Evaluate what's on the inside. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. It's going to be amazing, but I want you to prepare. Everybody say prepare. Prepare. Oftentimes we'll prepare in the natural. We'll prepare, like I talked about, pre prepare hurricane supplies. We'll prepare for the day. We've got, we've got you know, uh, the scheduling mechanisms in our phone and Google this and we'll prepare. We'll prepare our plan. But, 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 but usually, usually preparation is based upon the external. The environment. Our outer world. But this word is not about preparing this way. It's about preparing this way. See, see, every time, every, every time when God's asked me to take a step up and a step, a step forward, God has also asked me to look within and evaluate the things in my heart that may be holding me down. It's like a balloon when it goes up. You let, the more the sandbags that you let go, the more that that balloon rises up. So here's my question. Not whether or not God wants to bring you into a good place, into the plan that he has for your life, the purpose that he has for your life, but what is it on the inside of you that may be holding you back? I never forget as kids, I don't know where my friends got this or not. I, I, I really don't. I have no idea. But one of my friends had a bungee cord, bungee cord. And so the concept was we would tie it around us and we would run, and the concept was to see how far we would get. And then they would pull you back, and you go, Wah! you know, you'd be like this. And so it was, so the game was how far can you get before, before, as because it's on you, and you're stretching out, and then finally you're pulled back. Very similar with this analogy is, 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 is that oftentimes we're, we're moving forward. We're in school, we're, 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 we're fired up about moving into that new job situation. There's, we're about to get married, we're about to build this, we're about to do that, we're about to start a small group at Milestone Church, and, and, and we're about to do whatever it is that we're about, whatever it is that we see that God has for us, but, 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 but we get right to that moment and, and, and there's this pullback. What is the problem? It's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside. David said it this way in Psalms 139. Here's what he said. It's so beautiful. He says, search me. Everybody say, search me. Search me, O God. Know my heart. So oftentimes we put our external focus on our environment, our circumstances. And there's, an, there's a healthy application to understanding what we're dealing with in our natural dimension. But God's always putting the first base. That's second base. First base is what's happening right here. 
Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, is anxiety a sin? Absolutely not. But if we don't deal with anxiety, it can cause us to sin. We can begin to make decisions out of fear and miss God. Sin is not just what we do, but what we don't do by virtue of the fact that we are immobilized through fear. We're immobilized, we're paralyzed because we don't want to move forward. 1999, God called Jennifer and I to start a church. We were sent by our pastor who was in Metairie at the time in the south shore of New Orleans and those of you that are familiar with the area. It's interesting, but right prior, right prior to, to my pastor asking us if we would consider going to that church, the year or two before that, there were three significant, I would call them injuries, hurts, offenses that I experienced, two through mentor figures and one through another friend where I got really disappointed in relationships. I know you've been there before. I mean, I got to the place where, and, and, and it was interesting and it was like strategic. It was like, it was like one, two, three, and it really got on the inside of me. I mean, it was just hurting me on the inside. Matter of fact, if I, would have, if, I, if I would tell you what happened, I'm sure I could get you on my side, and then you would say, yeah, you know what, you should have been. You know, that's called commiserating. Con is a Latin word, with misery. So when you commiserate with somebody, by the way, there's a difference between commiserating and comforting. Comforting is you emotionally empathize and lift them out. Commiserating is you put your arm around and you get bitter with them. There's a difference. So I don't want somebody bitter with me. I want somebody comforting me out of that place. And it's interesting because, because, because right before we started Church of the King, the Holy Spirit started dealing with my heart. And here's what he began to deal with me. Steve, there's some unforgiveness. There's some bitterness. I'm talking about how do you step into your future with confidence could it be that we lack confidence, not because of what we see with our natural eyes on the outside, but could it be something on the inside holding us back? And the Holy Spirit of God began to deal with my heart. And God, here's, here's, it was so clear. Steve, I want you to release that. I want you to release them. Get that bitterness out because I don't want you stepping into leading this church that's gonna be starting and put that poison all over those people. See, I believe with all of my heart, sometimes we're held back by what's within. The third thing that God told the children of Israel as they were preparing to step into their future was this. God wants to demonstrate his power for us. God wants to demonstrate his power for us. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. It's going to be amazing. There's going to be miracle dimensions of God's power released. In other words, you're not going to be able to personality your way through this. There's going to be the supernatural. I'm going to do some stuff to convince you and to confirm to those around you that I'm among you. Look at verse 10. And Joshua said, by, by, by this you shall know that the living God is among you that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, termites, gigasites, the ites. Anywhere ites in the Bible, they're, 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 it's not good. Anyways, God says, I'm gonna do something among you to convince you and to demonstrate to you and those around you that I'm the one doing it. 
Let me say a couple things about Christianity. This is not just a cognitive exercise of us factually knowing some ideas about God. We serve a real Jesus that's alive and God wants to do signs and wonders and miracles today in our lives. I don't believe in the de-supernaturalization of the Bible. I believe that this is a supernatural book. We serve a supernatural God and God wants to work supernaturally in our lives. I'm talking about when the secular culture or relatives around you, when God does miracles in your life, they, go, they step back and go, there must be God because you're not that good. That's a good thing. I want people going, you know, I, I've had people say, you know, Steve, how the church is king and it's growing. I said, it's incredible. You're not that good. You spit on people. You do all kind of stuff. Your voice, right. And I'm like, good. That's good. Because God is among us. And God is doing signs and wonders. This whole church, Milestone Church, is a miracle of God. This is not happening everywhere. And this is not the only church. There's other great churches there. But this is God's, God using Pastor Jeff and the great team. But this is way beyond anybody's leadership gift. You do realize that. And you and I need to come to a place in our life where we are convinced that we can only step forward with God's supernatural help. This is not Toastmasters. We're not just public speakers. This is not Enneagram type A, disc analysis. We can just be good. No, this is about we need Christ. We need God's power. We need the Holy Spirit to do whatever God's called us to do. Well, pastor, you're getting excited because I believe this stuff. Hebrews chapter two, verse four. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says this. Can you pull it? God also bearing witness both with what? Everybody say it. Signs and what? Let me pause right there. What is a sign? A sign is a token of God's supernatural grace demonstrated from the supernatural realm into the natural realm, changing something or someone that causes you to go, wow, that's a wonder. I want people to do that with my life. And I'm not talking about going down to downtown Fort Worth. If there's a God, there'll be a parking spot in front of this building. <laughs> That's the start. We can go beyond that. How about for miracles of healing? How about miracles of transformation of prodigals that are on drugs that need to get saved and their lives transformed? How about miracles of supernatural provision? Unexplainable things. God wants to do that. We, 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 need, we need to never denude this Bible and this Christian walk down it. This is just us being good people making good decisions. It's, we serve a God that wants to part Red Seas and do unexplainable things where they go, something is bigger than you walking around you. Yes. Let me give you one example and then I'll close. I got one other point. I, 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 I'm careful doing that because it's, oh, he's closed. He's circling the airport here a bunch. I got five minutes and two seconds. I bind that in Jesus' name. But anyway, so <laughs> just stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. So, so years ago, so we started Church of the King. And, and so our first building, like you guys, your first building was a shopping thing that you purchased, but was a skating rink for us. And so we needed like 700 and something thousand dollars. And then we were going to borrow a million dollars. A young church had three, four, five hundred people. So we, we raised $500,000 in 30 days. It was a miracle. We got a piece of property that was given to us that we'd been trying to sell and we couldn't sell this piece of property. 
And so, but we needed that to make it like 700, $750,000 total because we need a lot of upfront cash and then the bank was gonna lend us like a million and a half or something like that. Okay, here's the point. It was not selling. It was given to us by another church. We had it for two years. I get up before the church one day and I just said this. I just said, all right, we're believing God. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray and fast this week three days and we're believing that God is gonna do a miracle and that thing's gonna sell. How many of y'all believe? Everybody's, I walk back, my wife goes, what are you doing? Have we ever done this before? I said, no, but I heard it works. <laughs> I'm a pragmatist too, I'm a spiritual pragmatist, okay. But there is a scripture in the Bible that says this kind only comes out by what? Prayer and what? Now fasting, and, I, and I, I'd never really fast before. I mean, I'd fast like, I fast between like, you know, breakfast and lunch. Like some of y'all, you know, and then, 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 now, now the fasting is real. It's kind of like cool suburban fasting. We do Daniel fast, which is like eating healthy. <laughs> I've Daniel fasted for like 400 days. <laughs> Have you seen God? You know, you know what I'm saying? That, that's, I, I gotta stop. I, I'm 306. Here we go. So, so we go out there on day two. And we're walking on the thing, people pouring oil. This lady had a tambourine. I'm like, that's cool here. And uh, just not at church on Sunday. But anyway, so I'm just like, so, so it's like, whatever we got to do, man, we're praying, we're believing God, we're putting scriptures in the mud. I'm serious. May God be my witness. The third day we get a call, our real estate agent, and I'm going to say this very respectfully. She gets a call from this person. Pastor, we got somebody who wants to buy the property but they want to close quickly, like 30 days. I'm like, let's do it. So we close. I say this very respectfully. We appreciate God's provision. This man buys this property. We get the money. We're able to close. The whole thing works for us. May God be my witness. He bought it. Seven days later, he put it back up for sale and says, I don't know why I bought this piece. I don't even like this piece of property. I'm serious. Now, he sold it two years later and made a good, a good amount of money. But how many you know when God is ready to move, it's unexplainable. You can't figure it out. Come on, are y'all with me or not? You can't figure cognitively. And that's the challenge for some of you guys because you're brilliant people, strategic thinkers, you know, oil companies. What about this well? We got strategic. You, you are the ones that made A's in quantitative business analysis. We didn't like you. I'm not that smart. My mom told me, you just got a good personality. <laughs> but sometimes you're too smart for your own spiritual good. You can't reduce this down to just trying to figure this thing out. Let me give you this fourth and final thing and we'll close. The fourth thing that God wants us to do is we've got, listen, God wants us to respond to him by stepping out. Listen, stepping out even before the miracle. Joshua chapter three, verse 14, last verse. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant. Here it is. Here it is. What have we done? Number one, we've left our comfort zone. Number two, we've got out all the junk that's in our hearts that needs to get out, right? That's what, number three, God is doing supernatural things. But here's our part. Here's our part. Here's our part in the natural. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet, just the feet 
of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all of its bank during this whole time of harvest that the waters which came down from upstream stood still. So in other words, what happened first? Stood still water or feet in the water? Come on, say it. Which one? Feet. So here it is. The feet went in, the water stopped. Actually, it was 18 miles up. Why? Because a million people had a cross. What's my point? My point is we don't wait for the miracle and then we obey. We obey and God does the miracle. Are you, are you with me? That, that's what happened. Hey, here it is. Let me give you, in Mark chapter 3, the Bible says, the, the man with the, with the withered hand, and the Bible says, as he stretched it out, it was made whole. We want God to heal us, then we'll obey God. God says, do what I'm telling you to do and let me work through you. Luke chapter 17, 10 lepers. Jesus prayed for it and said, look, go show yourselves to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. In other words, in other words, we've got to obey God. What is that dream that God's put in your heart? What is God telling you to do? Go back to school? You're 30-something, you're all my pastor, I don't know. Listen, if God's telling you to do that, the provision will come. We don't wait for the provision. We wait for God's voice, God's promise, God's word. And then we step out. Then the, then the seas parted. Then the Jordan stopped. Then the healing happened. Then the, whatever it is that God tells you to do. I believe with all of my heart, God wants to explode in your life with his grace. And God wants you to have confidence to step into your tomorrows, into your future. God wants to do it in your life personally and in this church corporately. Come on, y'all receive that word? How many of y'all receive that? Let me pray for you. Let me just pray. Father, I thank you as Pastor Steve's coming. Father, I just thank you for Milestone Church. I thank you for the thousands of people represented in this church. And Holy Spirit, I know that you've got amazing dreams and vision and opportunities and possibilities. Lord, help us to step forward in confidence. Not in our own strength, not in our own wit and wisdom, but in the strength of the Lord. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That's our confidence. Lord, I bless your people. I bless this church. I thank you for Pastor Jeff and Brandy and their amazing family and the great team here. Lord, I thank you for miracles. I thank you for the growth in this church. I thank you that you've called this church to be a part of your team in this region, to see this region change for the power of Jesus Christ. Lord, I bless your people this day in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Can we do that? Amen. God bless you guys. You guys are amazing. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 